Hello, welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast conversation that reviews and reapplies the preached word to our minds and hearts and to those of our listeners. Watering Seeds is a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, Today, we will be discussing our recent sermon on Ephesians 5, verses 22 uh, to 33. The title of that sermon is Relationships, Wives, and Husbands. Uh, So give that a listen. If you haven't yet, you can find it on our website, uh, covenantreformed.net. My name is Sean McCann. I uh, am one of the pastors at Covenant Reformed. Uh, We have been doing these podcasts during most of covid and usually, or every time, it's me and uh, Pastor Chris doing it together. Uh, we took a break the last few weeks, and we're starting back today with our first guest ever. So Pastor Chris is still here. He's on the other side of the glass, <laughs> manning the tech. Uh, but we're here with my wife, Lindsay. Hello, hello. Welcome, Lindsay. <laughs> who better to discuss a sermon on husbands and wives than the wife of the one who preached it. <laughs> Sometimes in uh, mar- pre-marriage counseling, I bring Lindsay in for the last session and we'll have a meal together with the couple in which she corrects everything that I have said wrong <laughs> during all of the counseling. So I'm just, glad she's here. I just tell it like it really is. Tell it like it is. Okay. All right. So the first big question, Lindsay, have you listened to the sermon? Yes, I have. Okay. Very good. Uh, so what we're going to do, kind of do it a little bit like usual. I'll probably have more questions for her, and she might have a couple for me as we go along. Um, but to jump in, remember where we are in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, our section is the first of three passages that deals with uh, household relationships. Uh, this coming Sunday, children and parents. The following week, servants and masters, which we'll explain uh, when we get there. Uh, but today's the big one, wives and husbands. This is the longest passage in Scripture that has to deal with uh, uh, husbands and wives and how they relate to each other. Uh, during my outline, focused on ri- the original, right, the picture, uh, the, our marriage is to be a picture of the original relationship between Christ and his church. So we focused on that for the first few minutes. Then we spent most of the sermon on the copy, uh, wives and husbands. But before we do that, uh, before we hit those points, my opening question for you, Lindsay, is uh, can you think of examples or an example of a godly marriage in your experience that was a picture of the gospel. Now, we don't say this to downplay other marriages. All marriages are in some way a picture of the gospel, uh, but maybe one in particular that sticks out to you. Yeah, I think um, back to when we were just dating and um, a part of a church in Greenville, South Carolina, and a very uh, much older couple adopted you and then therefore me as um, students in college, and so we attended lunch at their house once a month. And they were married for over 50 years, and I think um, watching their marriage specifically and seeing how they loved one another, how they communicated with one another, how they talked about one another, how they served one another, um, really shaped kind of my view of marriages. I was headed towards that yeah. road. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That, that was a wonderful couple. Uh, he was a World War II vet, uh, and so they were they had a great influence on our family. Yeah. The person that comes to my mind is uh, your dad, because mm-hmm. your dad uh, taught me, really, the servant leadership of a husband, and I'm, 
will probably spend my whole life trying to live up to the example that he set, uh, but that uh, the way Christ loves the church was pictured for me probably most clearly by the way your dad loved your loved your mom mm. and you and the kids or his kids. <laughs> Okay, uh, that was the original. Now, most of the rest of the time, questions are going to spend on the copy, uh, the wives and the husbands. And uh, we got to jump right into it, right? right? The second word uh, is the word submit. Now, I didn't make much of this in the sermon, but that word's actually not there in the Greek. It is playing off of uh, the previous use of the word in verse 21. So this is a continuation of the idea that we are all submitting to God-given authorities in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and let's just talk about the elephant in the room. The idea of submission <laughs> is hard. Yes. Right? Yeah. It can also be somewhat surprising, uh, depending on your background. Do you find it, have you, or do you now find it surprising and or hard? I think, um, personally, I don't, as you already mentioned, my dad. I've always felt very loved and respected in my household and I didn't have brothers so I think that maybe affected even how I was raised but um, I never felt that inferiority or um, not valued in my home and so I don't I think if I contemplate it too much, then yes, it is hard. But the day-to-day life, I don't really think, what does it mean to submit in this? And so um, I feel, um, honestly, I feel freeing that I'm not in leadership in that role. Um, And I don't have like a strong desire to, you know, but I know many who do struggle with it. And so I can't empathize that I know there are many who um, find that word very hard or very surprising. Um, but I think personally for me, it hasn't. Do you remember, like, I mean, you, you grew up in a Christian home, so you were familiar with the scriptures. But do you ever remember a time when you read this verse and thought, wait, wait, wait a second, what is this actually saying? Or has it sort of been woven into your understanding and there's never been that kind of gut check moment? I think it has always been woven into my life, but I think I've had conversations individually with women and they will bring out a specific topic that's hard in their marriage that they disagree with and say, what does that mean to submit in that instance? And, (laughs) you know, that's a hard thing to kind of dialogue with because that's a very complex issue. And, you know, there's, there's, a long backstory to that. Yeah. And um, so. Yeah. That was one of the challenges of preaching it is people coming with preconceived notions and experiences to right. the text, right? People who have been in uh, a very egalitarian or a very sort of equal, not defined roles type of marriage versus maybe some of them are in some very, very heavily defined roles. Right. So I can imagine some people left on Sunday thinking the sermon was somewhat freeing Mm -hmm. and some people probably left thinking that sermon was pretty heavy, pretty, pretty binding. Uh, And so that's a, I think that's a challenge. That's why at at best I want to stick to the the text as much as possible. Right. Right. Okay. So let's talk about um, why the order is the way it is. Right. And so I referenced, um, uh, what did I reference? Where's my scripture? Second Corinthians uh, chapter, 11. There it is. Um, I'm not going to pull it up right now. It's 1 Corinthians 11. 
but it's the order of creation, mm -hmm. right? And so why is it this way? It's because God created it this way. Uh, is that helpful for you to think of it? When there's that gut check moment about what does this look like? Is it helpful to think about how it is rooted in creation? Yes, I think it's very helpful um, to see that God created Adam first and Eve was created um, as a helpmate, it says, and um, to see that we were created differently, um, but yet we have we were both made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately um, that we reflect um, him in different ways and different roles and um, but that ultimately it's all for his glory. Yeah, that reference I found it while you were talking. It's 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse, 10, uh, verse 8. Uh, for a man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, uh, but woman for man. Um, all right, so I defined in the sermon submit as voluntary yielding in love. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a helpful definition, challenging definition? Do you have another definition you might add on to that? <laughs> I don't have another definition. I liked it, um, to voluntarily yield in love. And I think just the idea of laying down your selfish desires and um, serving one another, because um, we are naturally bent to want what we want. And mm -hmm. um, so I think that that is just... The challenge in marriage. Marriage yeah. brings out a bunch of sin. So <laughs> you got to lay down a lot of things. <laughs> so in your mind, does it imply inferiority? That is, that the woman is less than the man? No, it doesn't. Um, I think, yeah, I think we, we overemphasize taking these verses apart and um, separating this is the female's job and she is to submit and she, you know, we we take out the verses, the female verses of the Bible, and mm -hmm. we overemphasize mm -hmm. those things. And so, therefore, it seems like woman is lesser than man, when really, and you even said this in your sermon, that all of Scripture is for men and women. Mm -hmm. All of Scripture is for the children of God, and um, and it's all a redemption story that we are yeah. a part of. And so there's no inferiority or... Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. There's a... I think... Maybe Chris would know. I think there's over a hundred commands in the New Testament about one another. The one another commands. Love one another. Um, live at peace with one another. Bear with one another. Those aren't written to men or women. Those are written to Christians, right? Children of God. Uh, but what you bring up, there are much fewer specific words to women, men, husbands, wife, children, parents, right? And so... Generally speaking, it seems like God is most concerned with how we live as his children, mm -hmm. right? But we find ourselves in various relationships in life where he gives maybe some extra instruction that we seek to follow. But we should take some level of confidence that he addresses all of us the same way. Uh, and that's something encouraging for this coming Sunday is that the, the text addresses children, mm -hmm. right? It speaks to children. Now, children are called to do everything else and that is involved with being a covenant member of God's family. But there are maybe at specific times in our lives more specific commandments for us. Okay, um, so one of the things I wanted to make clear in the sermon was that the idea to submit is qualified by what we see in verse 22 as we submit as to the Lord, which means it is both not conditional, but it also means it's not absolute, right? It's somewhere in between those things. We don't 
a wife is not to submit to her husband no matter what, but she's also not to submit only when he is perfect. All right? So does it challenge you to think of submission as not conditional? Yeah, so I think our challenge as women or in life is just to compare our marriages mm-hmm. um, and to one another. I think social media helps us do that. And um, we begin to desire what other people have des- what have in their marriage or how. And so I think that not conditional, not, you know, we, we, we don't wait until our husband is where we desire them to be to submit, that it is not um, conditional on perfect obedience, um, yeah. that dream desire, whatever that might be, if only our husband would do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying that when I get all dressed up and put on a suit and talk about holy things on Sunday, maybe I'm not actually <laughs> like that. Maybe at home I'm a little bit of a mess and maybe this is a little bit hard sometimes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, it made me think of it when you were saying that if it becomes conditional, it will never stop being conditional. Right. Because as you just said, the husband will never meet that standard. One, because it's impossible because none of us are Jesus. But number two is because based on our sinful nature, we will always be changing that standard to be something else. Right. We always want more. Yeah. So I think what's helpful here is to think this is it's soul work that needs to be done. Like this is not an excuse for a husband being uh, not what he should be right. at all. But this is really about the soul work of the wife, of right. the woman, right? Yeah. Okay. Learning contentment. Learning contentment. Um, all right. Flip side is, and this is a little bit more serious, uh, that means that submission is not absolute. Right. Uh, it means that when a husband, or if a husband were to lead his wife into sin, that she is to obey God not her husband. And I read that lengthy quote, uh, the warning against abuse, right? Which is statistically more often the husband of the wife. Mm -hmm. And sadly, you hear of it sometimes in conservative churches under this definition of marriage, as if this is an an excuse or a green light towards an abusive relationship. Um, I don't know if you want to give examples or not, but can you think of ways that you have seen it go wrong here? I mean, I I think, yeah, the emotional abuse is kind of what I've seen the most. But I think just on a even a lighter note, um, not as serious as abuse, is just kind of miscommunication. I think walls build up real quickly um, when the wife does not explain her desires and what she wants and the husband doesn't listen or whatever. And so... You know, oh, there's a decision to be made and I have to submit no matter what. Well, have you really, like, had an open and honest conversation about that? Um, because, you know, that's, it, it's not just the final word. It's, it should be a communication mm-hmm. of listening and talking and hearing one another's um, desires and passions about that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So instead of having, uh, it's not a wife wants her way and a husband wants his way because the husband's the man, he gets his way. Right. <laughs> right. It's not that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so that can go afoul in either direction. Yes. Right. And, and ideally, a husband and wife should be working together towards the same end. Right. Towards the, the same uh, consensus, I guess we should say. Right. right. Um, okay. Good. Any other thoughts on the absolute, not absolute? Submission, submit. You don't need to say anything else about it. It's okay. Yeah, no. Okay. All right, good. Um, 
Anything else on the wife? Because I'm going to jump to the husband now. Um. Oh, I do have one more question I didn't give you. But... Okay, go for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I sort of asked this, and I left it a little bit open in the sermon, but does a wife in this type of marriage uh, end up in a marriage of mindless oppression where she never gets to do what she wants? Now, I'm, gonna, I'm saying it facetiously so it's easier to answer, but I think people would legitimately ask this question. Like, am I just a pawn in my husband's desires? And we'll see in a minute, no. Right. However, what if your husband is no good? Like, right. what, what if he is failing to do all of this stuff? Is, is God just consigning the wife to, I don't know, just this uh, servitude? Yeah, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I hope there's greater hope than that. But uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I think we, as women and men, both have different um, giftings and different um, desires. And so we bring that into a marriage together. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that you lay down all of your hopes, dreams, desires, plans, Um for the sake of the man, you, I, I think you work those out together and, um, and live those out together in different, different ways, um, depending on your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some times that, um, women are called, um, to serve when you're not, you don't want to serve or an area that you are called, um, to do that you don't want to do, you know, don't, um, and so there is some mundane, faithful obedience. Um, and I think the Lord can use that um, to transform a marriage if it mm-hmm. is a regular pattern mm-hmm. um, in your marriage, that mm-hmm. it's more of a, I don't know, faith, I don't know the faith word. building exercise. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus life-giving. I pray that the Lord can transform that. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is, I think part, I would, I would put a question back on the one asking this question and say, do you believe that your fulfillment will come when you achieve your individualistic dreams in life? I mean, that's kind of the American mantra of you can pursue whatever you want as an individual. uh, And when you achieve that, then you'll be happy. And somehow a husband is a check on that. Hmm. Right. And the reality is in marriage, they should vote, right? We, there's a mutual sacrificing Right. There, there should be at least a mutual sacrificing of uh, maybe our individual dreams, desires of how to spend our days, use our time, spend our money. Um, it just, it seems so unfair that the husband, when he is selfish, just gets his way and can maybe just walk over the doormat of a wife mm. if she is following the Lord's will. It seems like in this. Mm. Which I think, when when I think of that, I just want to challenge every husband to follow what's coming next, right? Mm-hmm. And that, um, that it's sad to say that that happens. And I, when I said in the sermon, we cannot use headship as an excuse for laziness and selfishness in marriage, mm-hmm. and it it all too often is. Mm-hmm. So, you're right. We jump to the husband's side now. Yeah, that's, I, I was just going to say speak one more thing to Please. the woman. I think there's a tendency of um, self righteousness of you know, I do all these things and, um, you know, he's doing nothing. (laughs) Um, and just to grow and that communication, if you truly feel like you're doing all the things, um, but also just love, um, 
and compassion and seeing the things um, that the man is doing maybe differently, maybe outside of the home, maybe you're doing more things in the home, um, but to just grow and love and yeah. respect of that. And, is there a good way you think wives should talk to their husbands about stuff like that? <laughs> or maybe a bad way not to do it? We have a monthly, me- uh, a weekly meeting, and I, I, I'm a big proponent of that, to have a weekly time that you set aside to talk about serious matters and then just practical matters of, um, you know, jobs that need to be done around the house and whose job is, is it to do and just to be on the same page. Yeah, so. yeah. good, good. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get circle back to that uh, kind of as a final question. But jumping into the husbands, um, as the wife kind of the uh, the calling there is to submit. The calling for the husband is to love. Uh, clear in the sermon that uh, the husband is not caused is not called to make the wife submit. Mm-hmm. Um, that is absolute. That is never the calling of the husband. Uh, so we need to be very careful about that. I gave three S's that define husband's love for his wife. It's sacrificial sanctifying and selfish because it's a love for his own body. Uh, we sort of covered the sacrificial, um, but I do want to reference a good book by Tim and Kathy Keller. It's called The Meaning of Marriage. Uh, and there's a good chapter where she, uh, being a very educated, kind of upwardly mobile, driven wife, mm-hmm. embraced uh, the this vision of marriage. And she writes a chapter on what that was like. And it's very helpful and but she uses the the two description this the descriptor she uses of the wife is as a strong helper and the description of a husband is a servant leader and i thought servant leader is just such a helpful phrase to use right it describes christ and servant up to the point of laying your own life down sacrificial uh, so the husband should always be thinking of sac what can he sacrifice for his wife and his family um the second one is sanctifying and I try to challenge husbands about um, is their wife more or less holy because they're married to you? Now, a husband might laugh and say, well, I'm hard to be married to so she can grow and <laughs> sanctify because she's married to me. That's not what I meant. Um, what ways do you think that leadership can help a wife grow in godliness? And even as I say that, I want to be clear. It's not that the man has figured out godliness. Right. He's got to bring the wife along. That's not what I mean at all. Right. Uh, there's both are to be growing in grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's here, applying this to the husbands in a sanctifying way with their wives. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think we all sharpen one another as the body of Christ and um, that we should be um, encouraging and striving towards our sanctification kind of together as you know, and pointing each other um, to Christ. So I think... That happens kind of more naturally in a marriage and the intimacy that you share there. And um, so I think, you know, your walk with the Lord and the way, you know, we've read books together or listened to podcasts together or whatever, and just your your dialogue over the sermon, um, the discussion, and that can lead towards greater growth and sanctification. But, I mean, there is the point, you know, of your weaknesses too, point <laughs> <laughs> to see that, you know, a husband's love is, you know, never going to ultimately fulfill us and to point us into a much greater love um, and a greater sacrifice of our um, Heavenly mm-hmm. Father. And so there's that aspect mm-hmm. of it yeah. as well. Right, right. 
And I'll say this, you, you as my wife, always encouraged me uh, in my sometimes successful, sometimes not so successful uh, endeavors in spiritual leadership, mm-hmm. right? And so I uh, always kind of eager to listen if it's time to read or help in uh, singing or help getting the kids to an event or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's uh, I think, um, it, this, this, there's a reciprocal aspect to it where uh, the way a wife receives helpful servant leadership mm-hmm. can help encourage the husband to continue on that path, hmm. right? Because that's the other thing that was, to quote from the Tim and Kathy Keller book, is Tim Keller was like, and I'm not breaking news here, he says in the book, but like he had to learn how to do this stuff. And he was not, he was all thumbs when it came to anything about leading and loving his family. Hmm. Um, and so they both kind of had to stumble through it and learn together. Right. So a couple closing questions. I had three final applications I made to three different groups. The first group is to those who are married. And the challenge here is that the summary is wives love your husbands. I mean, wives, wives respect your husbands. Husbands love your wives. But the Bible gives like no details. It doesn't tell us who does the taxes. It doesn't tell us who does the dishes. Right? It doesn't tell us who mows the lawn. It doesn't tell us who works and who doesn't work and who gets up and changes the diaper in the middle of the night and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I challenge folks to figure that out like mm-hmm. in their own marriage, strengths and weaknesses, and not to default back to cultural stereotypes because the Bible instructs marriages in every tribe and tongue and nation throughout history. Right. So how in the world do we do that? How do we figure that out? I mean, how long have we been married? 17, 16, 17, a year, something like something that. Like that. Um, how do we figure that out? And then maybe another way to ask that is, how have you seen it done well? How have you seen it done poorly? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just trial and error. I remember for, um, I mean, we, when we started marriage, I was the money-earning person, and you were in seminary. And, <laughs> I was the money pit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And... Um, and so that was kind of a weird role to start life in. And then obviously we transitioned to you working and me staying at home. But um, I remember me trying to do the budget at one point of our marriage. <laughs> and you pretty much sitting over there laughing at me because I'm <laughs> terrible at math. And um, you were amazing at math. And so all the women I knew that were married, they all handled the budget. And I thought that's something I should be doing. And yet it's something that you can take much less time and be much more accurate with. Um, (laughs) And so I've learned that that is a role that you should play in our marriage, even if that's not what other marriages look like. Um, That's just a a, trial and error. Yeah. I mean, I think trial and error. And I mean, just valuing what each other brings yeah. to the table. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, to hit on your earlier point, is conversations. Because um, we, we, it's easy to think, well, that's her job. Right. And that's his job. Which is another excuse for just being lazy, honestly. And I, 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 this is one thing I always ask in premarriage counseling. is like, who, the, the home you grew up in, who does what? Right. Right, because where those overlap, it's going to be pretty natural. Mm-hmm. Where they don't overlap. And so you see when people are married cross-culturally, there's just a whole lot more challenges right. uh, to, to, to overcome, in a sense, of figuring out who does what and how do you make what decisions and what decisions do you not need to talk about. Like some people might need to talk about every financial decision. Some people might not need to talk about any of them. Right. Um, some people need to talk about landscaping or the menu or you know whatever it is right mm-hmm. 
so yeah, that upfront uh, communication. But I, I would just encourage both husbands and wives, if your spouse is doing something and you're not, do not use the, the traditional stereotype role as a reason not to do whatever it is. <laughs> right. right. I think also tr- building trust in one another. I know yeah. that yeah. has been a big part of our marriage of assuming the best that just because you might not be doing something I want you to do doesn't mean you're just lazy. <laughs> you might have other things going on in your life. And so that is why that is not a priority right now right. or whatever. Right. Um, and so building trust and assuming the best of one yeah. another. Yeah. And I think keeping short accounts, we can keep going on a lot of these small advice things, but you get into trouble when you start building up. Well, I did the dishes five days this week and he only did them two days or right. who knows, whatever it is. And you start sort of keeping these accounts of it's his turn, my turn, her turn, my turn kind of thing. That's a, that's a dangerous path yeah. to start going down. Okay. Uh, my second closing application was for those who are hoping to get married one day mm. to look for someone that you can love and that you can respect. Mm. Now, Obviously, we all look for someone we can love, and I mean this kind of love, this definition of love. Right. And, you know, I took the opportunity to speak to four young ladies who may have been listening, <laughs> I hope are listening, um, about all the other things the world tells us to look for, but to look for someone you can respect. Right. If you're committed to this approach to marriage, which I hope all our Christian listeners are, then you need to be respecting your husband mm-hmm. unconditionally, not absolutely, to go back to the first point. Right. It's a lot easier if they're easy to respect. Right. Do you have any advice for young women, our daughters, That's right. <laughs> to find someone like your dad? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, prayer. I mean, I think it's important um, as parents to pray for your children to find godly spouses. Um, I think important for young women to pray, you know, that the Lord would fulfill those longings and desires. I know many single women have struggled with that for years. And, um, you know, the Lord just continues to put them in a place of singleness for one mm-hmm. reason or another. Um, and, but yeah, I think respect is yeah. huge and um, maybe somewhat countercultural to what the world tells us to find yeah. in our spouses. Yeah. And I think, um, not to add more weight to these duties out here, but um, we, want, we want to model this in our marriages so that our children look for it. Yes. Right? We want our children. I, I mean, I want my daughters to find husbands who they will at least recognize some things that their dad tried to do with their mom. Right. Right. Um, I want that to be, and they might not even know that, Mm -hmm. right? But you want that to be something uh, that they um, look to and aspire to. And same for young guys. I mean, looking for um, a woman they would eagerly sacrifice for. Right. Right. When uh, maybe the looks are gone, right? (laughs) (laughs) When the the worldly reasons for marriage aren't there. Um, Now, obviously, you learn to love and respect over time. Right. It helps if it's there at the at the jump. Final question, final advice. The third application was to everyone, mm-hmm. right? Because we have here listeners who are married and unmarried, young, old, widows, singles, divorced, everything. 
Uh, in Hebrews, we read, let marriage be held in honor among all. So how can people support marriage in the church? I mean, when we are struggling in our marriage, mm-hmm. now you don't put up a banner and say, I'm struggling today. Now's the time for you to kick in and helping me. <laughs> but I mean, my application was to pray for the help of marriage within the church. Yeah, I don't know. Any advice or thought on that front? I mean, I go back to that original story, you know, of that first godly marriage that I, that we were witnessing to. We were able to witness that because we were in their home at least once a month for over a year. And I think, you know, we observe one another's marriages um, through hospitality and mm-hmm. through um, being a part of one another's lives. And so, you know, for especially our older saints who've been married for many years, um, to kind of display that for those who are younger or just starting off their marriages or haven't even, you know, not even married yet. Um, and then for younger women to younger women, I think just um, being wise in our speech and going back to that, not comparing and not um, uh, throwing our husbands under the bus fairly quickly, <laughs> um, but just respecting our husbands and um, being mindful in how we speak about them and also just um, in our um, comparison with one another. Yeah, that's good. And the same word obviously goes to to husbands. Right. About careful how <laughs> how you speak. That's not to say that if you're struggling, don't tell anybody because it would dishonor your spouse. That's not true at all. No. Uh, but it is to say and just guard your tongue. All right. And you can still gossip about your own spouse. You can slander your own spouse. Right. Um, so yeah, to be careful about that. Yeah, that that's good. And we have uh, a, a rich group of married folks to learn from one another. Yeah. Right. You don't have to be perfect to learn from. In fact, it's better when you're not. (laughs) So, all right. That brings me to the end of all my points to make. Did you have any closing, anything we missed? Anything we didn't get to or any questions you had for me? Um, I can't think of any question, but I do have one quote that I'll read. Um, what are you reading from? Oh, this is a book by Gloria Furman. It's called The Pastor's Wife. Um, it says, A woman's marriage is not just a partnership for making life more bearable and less lonely. Her marriage is not just a means of procreation in a socially acceptable context. Her marriage is not just a means to personally fu- to a personal fulfillment and collaborative financial or material gain. A woman's submission to Jesus and submitting to her husband is a victory banner. She waves as Jesus advances his kingdom. Mm. I just think that's a beautiful picture. Mm. In her own heart, yeah. right? Advances his kingdom in her heart. That's good. And that's where we wanted to close is the is we want healthy marriages in and of themselves. They're better to be a part of. Uh, but we also want to reflect the gospel mm. in our marriages. Well, Lindsay, thank you for joining our first ever host. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm preaching on parenting next week. Do you recommend any of our children come <laughs> as our second host? Please don't embarrass them. Okay, yeah, maybe not. I'll stay away from that. I'll have maybe uh, Pastor Chris will have one of his kids on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to Watering Seeds. We hope you found this conversation helpful as you seek to live out your faith this week. Join us next week as we discuss the sermon on Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. Uh, Give it a listen. If you have any questions, 
You can submit them to office at covenantreform.net or you can email uh, Pastor Chris or myself and uh, we will try to answer them on the program. I think we're going to get back to a regular schedule for the next few uh, next few weeks and months. Uh, so we hope to be joining you again next week. Until then, grace be with you all.